Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is a home for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Aren't we dead? I remember being dead. Tachyons are abundant and threaten the proto drive. So keep your feet on the deck and join us for our discussion. I'm Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Prodigy. Joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. This week on Prodigy, the protodrive malfunctions and, shall we say, breaks time. The only one that can communicate with the whole crew is Hologram Janeway. Now, because of her love for alternate universes and time travel plots, I'm sure my co-host could communicate with everybody, but... If I was in one of those timelines, she would probably skip right past mine. She's my progeny, Emily, and uh, I know truer words have never been spoken, but I also know that you would love to be part of uh, an alternate timeline or a time travel gig like this one, right? Definitely, I would. Yeah. And you and, are absolutely right that I would skip your timeline. And that's where I was going to, that's what I was going to say next. So uh, the one thing that you can't skip is telling everyone where they can find us. So why don't you let them know now? You can follow the show on Twitter at discovering Trek, and you can find us on Twitter at Trek legacy and on Instagram with the same handle. You can also find us in camp Kittimer from time to time. If you'd like to join the conversation there, Answer a couple simple questions, and you'll be welcomed in by our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark. You can subscribe to the podcast by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app, or by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you, Em. And so one of the things that we always talk about on Discovering Trek Prodigy is how important it is to hear the voices of those that this show prodigy was really intended for now as we've seen throughout prodigy so far uh, adults seem to be just as engaged with the show as uh, the younger folks but the younger folks are the ones that it was designed for so our guests today are the hosts of the murph turf podcast we have jude allen and his dad brent who is from the Beam Me Up podcast as well. So guys, uh, thank you for joining us here on Discovering Trek Prodigy. How are you? We're good. How are you? We're doing great. And it's it's great to have, like I said, the younger voices uh, contributing, especially uh, for someone like you, Jude, who this is your first dive into the Star Trek universe. So let me let me say congratulations to you on uh, now having this curse over your head that you're that you'll be watching this for the rest of your life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that we've been asking everybody uh, who comes on, so you have your own podcast dedicated to Prodigy. So is it safe to say that uh, the two of you are enjoying this series? We are. We are. It, are what you do you guys like? enjoying it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm loving this. It, it is. It is fantastic. You, you mentioned the adults are into it. I like, I would be watching this even without him. I'm just really yeah. glad that he gets to watch it with me because now like, you know, as a dad, right? Like mm-hmm. you try to drag your kids into it and get them to watch. And you know, it's, it's like the, um, you and I, I think are about the same age. So it's like it's us trying to watch the old 60s stuff. We're right. trying to make the kids watch the old 90s stuff. Now mm-hmm. they have their own and, and it, and one that's for them, especially because even sometimes the, the the old Star Trek is a little adult on some of its stuff. So, you know, it, it's so good. But it's just good. See, it's good TV. It's just good TV. So, Jude, what is your favorite part about Prodigy so far? I like the animation. Okay. I also like um, how the story is. Great. 
Who's your favorite character? Murph. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's your favorite character besides Murph? Because Murph is like everybody's, everybody's favorite, character. favorite character. Yeah. Right. So who do you be, got besides so. Murph? That's hard. I don't. So you like rock? a? Oh, okay, cool. Rock. I was gonna say, maybe, you know, if it's the ensemble, then that nothing wrong with that. But yes, I. You know what? I am gonna agree with you a hundred percent because Rock is my favorite character. I mean, everybody loves Murph. You know, let's not let's not put that in the rear view. But Murph, Rock is Rock has been. She's been my favorite almost from the beginning. So, Murph. so we got mm-hmm. we got Murph and we got Rock. So, but you know what? The two are paired together. So that's mm-hmm. perfect. All right. Well, this is a reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Prodigy episode "Time Amok." If you have not watched yet, head over to Paramount Plus and watch the episode and head back. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Episode 8 of Star Trek Prodigy, Time Amok, aired on January 20th, 2022. It was written by Nikhil S. Jairam and directed by Olga Ulanova and Sung Shin. The crew is gathered on the holodeck working on a team-building exercise when chaos ensues and leads to Dell telling Janeway that they're not a real crew. In fact, they stole the protostar. As the crew exits the holodeck in shame, Zero stays behind to explain everything to Janeway. Meanwhile, the Diviner receives a transmission from Nandi about where the protostar is, and he sets about to hack into its system, creating Dreadnought 2 to take back the ship. A nearby tachyon storm does damage to the protocore, bending time for each individual member of the crew, except Janeway, who can be in each portion of time. She helps each member develop a way to set things right, until helping Gwen and Dreadnought 2 to lease her program. Gwen shoots Dreadnought out of an airlock in engineering, but loses the warp matrix at the same time, leaving Rockcliffe to fix everything. She teaches herself everything she needs to know in her slowed down time, gets Janeway back online, and hooks up the warp matrix, setting things back to normal. The whole crew surrounds Rockcliffe, hugging her, knowing she saved all their lives, but wondering what the time alone may have done to her. Very nice. So as we do on every episode, we want to get everybody's thoughts on, uh, in this case, time amok. So Jude, why don't we start with you? What, what did you think of this episode on your first watch? I think it was one of my favorites and I like how it, how rock realized that she isn't just, a big scary little girl. She can actually do things, not just be the one in the corner, just mm-hmm. watching. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think this was a great story for Rock, um, like a coming of age tale. How about you, yes. Brent? What did you enjoy about this? Yeah, you know, I really like the idea that this. This episode specifically, actually last week's was as well, but um, maybe even these past three that we've gotten with this new segment, but they're, it's, they're less, less serialized pieces. Like those Mm -hmm. first five episodes really all felt like one big giant episode. These really feel like more individual. There's a connective tissue that flows through them, but they really are feeling like their own individual episodes. And this was just a great sci-fi show this is a great yeah. episode of sci-fi I, we've seen we've seen the idea of a crew fractured into different time uh elements before i think mm-hmm. voyager itself did an episode like yeah, that um and it so did several other sci-fi shows so this is their take on it and they knocked it out of the park and mm. i heard all before getting into it like the the writers and everybody were like you're not ready for this episode it's gonna hit you <laughs> in the fields and yeah. oh my gosh were they right? Because uh, I may or may not have choked up a little bit at the, especially the whole rock thing. Um, yeah. Mostly I think at the end when she figured it out, you know, mm-hmm. like, and she, she's going, I can't, I can't. And then like, she's popping Janeway back in. It's been 276 yeah. days. I was like, Oh no, she did. She's right. been so long. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
Wait, and no, what, I thought it was 78 tries to bring Janeway back. No, she said it was 276 tries. We don't know yeah. how long that took. I mean, how many right. tries was she getting in a day? I assume it was like one a day, but maybe it was more than that. And and was that less. was that was my assumption too, was yeah. you know, man, that's like almost that's like two thirds of a year. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, being an ice, I mean, she's in isolation effectively like that. That's not okay. Like no. I can have all sorts of stuff, but she, but you're right. Coming of age, she grew up, Uh you know, Uh, she could have come back as an older rock and it would have been very well explained. Although I would have missed Riley if she wasn't doing the voice anymore. Right, right. Exactly. All right, Ed. So how about you? What were your thoughts on this, on this episode? Um, okay. So the, the one thing that I noticed in the scene with the diviner is that this is, you know, shout out to the art department. No, no big surprise there. Um, but I noticed that the, so you know the little tubes that are on the diviner's armor? Mm-hmm. I noticed that those had like liquid and it was actually moving. Like it was flowing through the tubes and I thought that was so cool. And so I wonder if that's like the way that keeps them alive because what I've been thinking is it's kind of like a Darth Vader situation with him where he has to stay inside of the tank unless he's in his armor because mm. otherwise he'll die. So maybe oh. maybe in those tubes yeah. are liquid that's like flowing into his veins or into his body somehow that's keeping him stable so that he can be outside of the tank and still function. Interesting. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So that's one thing that I noticed. I also thought it was really cool how he built um, a dreadnought out of a vehicle replicator. I thought that was awesome. Um, yeah, that was, that, that and, was and isn't that also scary? Like, yeah, he, he yeah. just sent the program like he mm-hmm. can't get there, but I want to send the program and have it built over there. Like, yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah. And the last thing is that. I really liked Rock's expressions in this, like the facial movement. I thought they nailed mm-hmm. that. So that's really yeah. Cool. That's that's something we've talked about before. Is that you know if you're watching a live action episode, the actors have that ability to emote through their looks versus just having to rely on their words. And you can't do that in animation. The animators have to put that through the animation and then it has to come through the actor's voice. So yeah, uh, that, that was really cool. I enjoyed that as well. Um, I, I'll say when I first heard the captain's log at the beginning or not the captain's log, but the star date, I was confused and, um, was actually explained online as uh, Aaron Waltke does every week, puts out some tweets to help explain the episode. And he said that it was, that it was an incorrect star date because the tachyon storm was already affecting protostar systems. So Janeway was, was saying the wrong star date due to that. What was uh, wrong with the star date? I missed that altogether. So it was like, it started with a six and uh-huh. I, you know, I hadn't heard a star date that was starting with a six because this is supposed to be, if I remember correctly, it's like three years after what's going on in lower decks. And mm-hmm. so really? I think I want to say somebody out there said that it should be like four, nine, start with a four, nine. And she started with a six. So someone was like, you know, this should, if that's the case, then, you know, this is a lot further in the future than we thought. Um, I'm not good with the star dates, you know, just hearing that six at the beginning, I was like, that sounds a little off, but you know, what do I know? And then I saw people talking about it online and Aaron explained it. So that was good to know. Um, I like that, uh, on the holodeck Dal said that, uh, you know, he, he kind of talks about how he's learned from his experience in Kobayashi Mm-hmm. that he needs to listen to his crew. Oh, but then he says, you know, when they, when they say stuff like that, I have to ignore. Them. <laughs> so, and I liked the Janeway face palm when she saw that uh, the, the one that she was working with in one of those uh, timelines was Murph because, you know, what was she going to get Murph to do? Murph has no hands. 
he couldn't he couldn't build the warp matrix for her, so mm-hmm. she was so mean like <laughs> like oh murph <laughs> so was there anything that the two of you found that uh you didn't like about this episode because we do ask for you know any drawbacks that you found from it as well i i have one but Jude, did you have something I'm, I'm happy to let you go first go first okay <laughs> this is this isn't as much this is a critique but it's a i understand Mm -hmm. um the animation for janeway because she was so heavily featured in this episode like she was front and center more so than i think she's been in any other episode i really felt like i was watching a cartoon and it felt out of sync with the rest of it now i'm gonna give that i'm gonna give that a little asterisk because She's the only human. And I know that humans are Mm -hmm. the toughest thing to animate. Like everybody else, their shapes can be whatever shape. The proportions can be whatever. The coloring can be whatever. But there's Janeway. And not only is it Janeway as a human, this is Janeway that for us old Trekkies anyway, Mm -hmm. we know what she's supposed to look like. Yeah. We know where she's supposed to be. And that's really, really, really hard for animators to um, pull that off. Mm-hmm. And make that as convincing. And it really just felt like that looks very animated to me. It doesn't look real like the rest of it does. It, it just felt out of sync to me. But again, asterisks, I understand why. Yeah. And it's yep. completely forgivable. Right. Yeah, I agree. But that was a Underst- understandable. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And that said, um, Hageman brothers or whomever uh, is in charge of writing paychecks, you should give the animators for Janeway a, a raise because that's a hard job you gave them harder than yeah. everybody else. Yep. Absolutely. Well, until, until we get Chakotay and his crew uh, on yeah. board, which I'm guessing isn't going to be until we hit episode 11 at this point. I, I was going to say, yeah, it might be next season <laughs> before we yeah. get to that stuff. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> or season 1.3. Yeah. 1.3. What? Yeah. Library computer data being received. So one of the things that uh, happens in all Star Treks at this point, because we've got so much back history, uh, we tend to see little things that come back from previous incarnations of Star Trek. So uh, we're going to take a minute here and go through any callbacks that we found in this episode from previous Trek. So Brent and Jude, did you pull anything away from previous Star Trek in this episode? Jude might not have. He's not as versed in other Trek. This is his kind of first entry point, but I'm curious if he did. There was other, uh, like there was more ships, like they were all in like different timelines. Mm-hmm. Like the one from Voyager. Oh yeah, on the little diagram there where they were going around. I think so. Yeah. Yep. I know. And what like you're their ship about. would be, like, kind of inside of theirs, <laughs> but like <laughs> in different timelines. Yep. Very nice. I know exactly what you're talking about because I've got that on my list. I'm glad you do, because I'm not actually sure which one he's talking about. But I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you do. So that's cool. <laughs> well, I know M doesn't have anything. So um, I believe he's referring to the episode Shattered. Uh, where, right. Well, and actually, there was there was another one. I want to say it was in season two um, where they were. There were the two ships that were like right on top of each other. Oh, that was the one um, where Harry Kim and Naomi, uh, the, yes, the baby wild. Yes. Men, like that whole yep. thing happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it because I didn't write that one down, but as I was thinking of it, it popped up one where Harry Kim dies again. Yes. 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 Well, the first time Harry died and then he, and then he lived. Yeah. And then came back to life and then everybody else died, but Harry lived. Yeah. He died and then he lived and then he died many more times. Yeah. (laughs) It's messy. That'd be that'd be a fun like doing a rewatch of Voyagers. Keep track of how many times Harry Kim dies. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. times do they kill him? What? Who's like, Harry Kim? He's a character on Voyager. I know there's a I know there's a lot of people out there that are hoping to see a promoted Harry Kim at some point in Prodigy. Who's Harry Kim? He's a character from Voyager that was on Janeway's ship. And the 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 joke about Harry Kim was he was an ensign, which is the lowest level officer that you can be. And throughout the entire time of Voyager, he never got a promotion. Everybody else around him was getting promotions, 
but he never got a promotion. <laughs> and that's that's the joke. So Harry Kim never got a promotion. Yeah. Yo, where's that pip on my seat? Poor, yeah. <laughs> Poor where's guy. that what? Don't worry about it. The ranks. You'll get there, Jude. You'll get there, buddy. You'll get yep. there. You'll get there. Um, so, so what about you, Brent? Anything that uh, oh, I, I that had, came th- up I had for three you? things. All right, I had go three for things, it. And I, I gotta, I gotta bow to you guys because you guys have the stuff you guys pick out that I've heard in your other episodes. I've learned. I did. I missed all that. But I, I got three things. One, uh, the hollow deck room looked very similar to Voyager's holodeck room. Like, you know, like the TNG holodeck room to the hollow suites in DS9 to the holodeck room in Voyager, all were very different sets. This one looked yep. very similar to Voyager's. So just noting that. Um, the other one, the title of the episode, Time yeah. Amok, uh, which for any of the old Trekkies who know, like that's a play on a muck time. time, Yep, which is a very different episode. And I'm going a, as a as a dad, like, that deals with more adult issues. Yeah. And yeah. This is a kid's show. What are they doing? <laughs> and obviously you watch the show and the, obviously it's times just being all messed up. So, Uh-oh. but uh, you had that, but then the other one, Literally I caught, time. I caught my first 47 in, in prodigy. Did you? 47. I missed it. I caught the first 47. Do you know the thing about 47 Jude? Uh... So there's a, there's a joke in star Trek that the writers where they hide the number 47 in random places. It's like an Easter egg that you keep finding, like Orko and He-Man. Like you just kind of find him as he pops up every once in a while. Okay. But it's it's when um Dreadnought 2 turns around and he's using Chakotay's voice to erase Janeway. It's the command code. Yeah. Like whatever number four, seven, dot, dot, dot. So it's, mm. it's first seven. What? The first one I caught. Yeah. Wow. That's I was very cool. excited about that. Those are my favorites to find. It's like it's like hidden Mickeys in Star Trek. You just yeah, kind of there you go. There you go. I've been looking for 47s throughout, and that one just completely slipped past me. Uh, and I think it's probably because he was using Chakotay's voice, and that was like yeah. what what keyed in in my brain. So Dude, it, it, I might have cheated because I had the subtitles on, and I I saw it written. Oh, I do too. Well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't I even had. I didn't even notice he was using Chakotay's voice. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I just want to know if that was Jeremy Simpson doing a fantastic Robert Beltran impression or if they actually had Beltran like record that line and like, yeah, maybe he recorded the two, the two guys and had them like sync over top of each other. I'm yeah, not sure maybe. how that, but no idea, no idea. But yeah, uh, that was, that was cool. So, you know, I, I'll say this, uh, some of my callbacks I pick up on my own and some of them I catch as a couple days go by on Twitter and mm-hmm. I'll be like, Oh yeah, you know, that's a good one. I'll, I'll make sure to note that one. But, uh, you know, and we'll sit there and go, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like 30 years, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Put in time. Put in it, it, time. It, yeah. yeah it, it does it. It does it. Are, yeah. And are, so are you sure yeah. it's only 30 years? Cause I think that you're a lot older than that. Um, <laughs> Let's see. It is 30, 37, 37 years, if I can remember correctly. Like when I, when I pretty sure I first started watching. So wait, how old are you? Like, I forget now. Wait, 37, 41. How same age. (laughs) Really? Yep. I didn't come to Star Trek till later in life though. So my dad was a Trekkie. So. There you go. I, I got it. I got it through him. There you go. Same. <laughs> same. Hopefully so, the same. I'm trying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying here. So the one, the you one thing that, on that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what? You, you got to go with it. my dad was the one that got me into uh, new England sports. So there you go. So uh, the one thing that uh, the one other thing that I picked up on when you, when they, uh, kind of went through the timeline and you saw like the big heads of everybody reminded me of uh star trek four when they do the um slingshot around the sun and everyone's head is like popping up through the clouds oh um, okay yeah i know what you're talking about that that yeah. popped into my brain i was like i've seen this before and i had to sit there and think about it for a little while and then uh, when we rewatched last night i was like i know where it is i know where go. it is i I got to say, I mean, just hats off. Like I really enjoyed 
those transitions of animation when they were going through. I'm also a big yeah. Stargate fan, so I love the warp sequence through Stargate, mm-hmm. and it, it was Stargate. very similar to that to me, uh, only better, frankly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. So Star Trek has always tried to teach the audience something about itself and as we've seen prodigy is doing the same with the next generation so our starfleet academy portion of the program we ask each other and our guests what is this episode trying to teach you as the audience member whether you are older like myself and brent or you are part of that younger generation so em i will let you go first on this one okay so i like all of my other ones, I did not notice this. Um, you know, you come up with my things for me because I'm terrible at that. Um, but Dal said, I'll only mess it up when Janeway needed him to build the warp matrix. Ma- yeah, sure. Warp I, I saw you, I saw you scanning okay. your notes. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was like, I'll only mess it up. It's not going to. I'm not going to do good enough. I'm going to fail. And, you know, I feel like everybody gets into that mindset sometimes, you know, if, if, if you haven't gotten into that mindset already, you're either, you're, you're perfect. And so I don't trust you. Um, (laughs) I have two times and, and it is, it's very difficult to get out of that headspace of, you know, I'm not good enough to do this this is gonna be too hard i'm really bad at this and it 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 it, it's um it's a very big challenge to try and work through that but you know it it's good that dow worked his way out of it because you know this is something that you know if he if he didn't you know, figure it out, then Gwen might not have been able to figure it out. And then Rock might not have been able to figure it out. And then they all would have died permanently. And, you know, when hopefully when we get into this headspace, it's not a life-threatening thing of I'm going to die. All my friends are going to die, but it, it, it it's still a very bad thing to, to get into. And it's, it is very difficult to work out of that. Okay. That's, that's my speech. Okay. Did you like it? Nice. <laughs> All right. Jude, what did you learn from this episode? Kind of what you said. Um, you don't always have to be not positive when something is really hard. Like doing mixed fractions when you're only in fourth grade. <laughs> i'll tell you what when you are 41 mixed fractions don't get any easier bud (laughs) so much so that when uh, so much so that when emily was doing them i had to pass them off to her mom because i couldn't figure it out how about that so you're in (laughs) great you are in great company and uh nothing is impossible if you try hard you, you know, people say that nothing is impossible, but I sit here every day and I'm doing nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? She's doing nothing. Nothing isn't impossible because she does nothing. Oh. <laughs> and that is your deep thought for the day. <laughs> All right, Brent, what did you, what did you pull from this episode? Um, well, I mean, I think there's the thing that, that Janeway said like 15 times in the first like 15 seconds of this episode was work together. You've got yeah. to work together. Would you uh-huh. just work together? Please work together. And you're sitting there going, okay, something's going to happen. That's going to force the crew to work together. Somebody hold box. Somebody hold. Mm, yep. Just throw the grain. The chicken and the grain. By the way, I love that. I love that old analogy and I nail it every time. I know exactly how to do it. It's not <laughs> so did that hard. How, is yeah, it? There you how, go. how do you do it? We'll talk about it later. They, uh, they told me. <laughs> I had to solve it in first grade. Yeah. It's it's not it's not the hardest riddle in the world. You just got to think it through. Yeah. Um, but uh it, you know it it was that whole idea but what I what I really loved and I mean it, it's got to be rock's whole thing like you're you're 
capable of doing more than you think. And Mm -hmm. for me as a dad, for me as a parent, but I I'm also a coach. I I coach Jude and his little sister in, in the various sports and stuff. And it's not just them, but it's also all of their teammates. And just as a parent in life, there comes a point when you have to be a mentor to other people and you have to help them see more than what they can see for themselves. And it, it was actually like, I was looking at this through the viewpoint of Janeway and I'll probably talk about this a little bit more later in another section on the show, but she was doing a great job at coaching these guys. And when they yes. didn't think they could do it, she was pulling it out of them. And, and mm-hmm. there's this, this moment when she looks at Dow, just to reference that where she's like, you know, there's this other crew that had a really hard time, Apollo 13. And I'm like, Oh, Tom Hanks movie. Great. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she goes, but she looks at him and she says this line. It's such a, it's such a good moment. It's a great way of how to coach. She goes, you know, but there is something you have that they had. And he's like, what a coupler. And he's like, no, you have ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you going to do about it? And he gets to like, it, she pushes him just to that right point, And she calls it out of him. And same thing in rock. Like she says it to rock. You can do this. And Grog's going, I can't, I can't, I can't. And she's like, you can, you just have to try, please just try. And, mm-hmm. she, and later on, she's like, is it going to work or is it not? And she's like, I don't care if it works or not. I'm just proud of you. Yeah. You made it this far and it's, you're capable of doing more than you think. And as a coach, you've got to pull that out of kids. And as a kid, as just a human being, like it's okay to be scared and rock mm-hmm. eventually conquered her fear. She did what she needed to do. She wasn't just a victim. She did what she needed to do. And she, she gave it a shot. And if it worked awesome. And if it didn't, well, then she's not in any worse of a situation than she right. was before. You right. Know? Exactly. Well, the thing is, though, when Janeway said, whatever happens, I'll be proud of you. It's like, yeah, if if everybody dies and my programming is destroyed, just know Um, in those last few seconds that you're alive, that I'm proud of you. Hey, that meant meant a lot to a six year old, though, which is how old Rock is. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is Rock wouldn't have been around much longer to think about it that much. either. Right. Right. She was lucky she got the long one. If yeah. Zero got the long one, they'd have it out in like five seconds. Yeah, he, yeah. he's yeah, he would he, he's the smart guy, that's for sure. Yeah. That's what that's why Zero couldn't have gotten the long one because then this episode would have been oh. over about nine minutes in. Mm, so yeah. <laughs> the, the writers figured that one out. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all kind of uh hitting on the same thoughts here. Um, because I you know my thought process was rock's journey as well in this episode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like we've all kind of uh, gone down the same path, but we've, we've taken like different exits to get there. Um, Cause my thought process was trust in yourself, you know, and that was, that was one of rock's problems was she didn't, she didn't have the confidence that she could do any of this stuff. Um, And then once she, once she took the time and thought about it, had that trust and that confidence. I mean, I'm sorry, even if it was 267 days or whatever it was, plus that's a, that's a lot of stuff to learn and become an expert at in that she learned quantum mechanics of- and all of that math in yeah. 76 days. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, math. What, that, uh, what comes to mind is that uh, that line from Back to the Future. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And, you know, Rock was able to do that, and she saved her friends. Um, and we get to now watch more Prodigy because she did that. Yes. You, you know what, though? Uh, if I had 276 million days, I don't think I could learn math. I By couldn't learn saying. I couldn't learn quantum mechanics. That's for sure. Uh, and Emily, think about that. Like, like rocks, rocks, probably in age range somewhere, like right in the middle of you and Jude, mm. you know, and you, you guys are both homeschooled students. So imagine having to learn all that by yourself without oh, anybody no. else around. Oh you. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but you could do it. I you could. can do it. I promise yeah. you, you can give do me it. Like I trust a million, you. It, give me like a 267 million years. Well, <laughs> I move slow in that timeline. So that's right. That's right. And the best part about it, you won't age. Wait, she didn't? <laughs> no. 
to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Long before we were doing a podcast sponsored by them, we were Fansets customers. The quality of the merchandise they put out is second to none. It's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have something for all different types of fandoms, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. And their latest releases were more micro crew pins. Uh, and with Prodigy in the Gamma Quadrant, we see that Lita and Weyoun were two of the releases, as well as Master Thrall Galt from Gamesters of Triskelion. So if you are into the, the micro crews or any of Fansets' other 300 plus officially licensed Star Trek pins, Go out to fansets.com and check them out because they also have the Delta's Done Right collection, which are one of my favorites. Uh, episode pins, uh, another one of my favorites. But, uh, you know, let's be honest, just about anything that goes through their website is one of my favorites. So go to fansets.com, put a whole bunch of pins in your cart. As a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from fansets by using the code discovering trek at checkout and remember that you receive free shipping in the u.s on orders 30 dollars or more fansets our pins have character and we thank fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the trek geeks podcast network So a favorite character from Star Trek lore has been Captain Christopher Pike. And uh, this week we found out when we're going to get to see him in Strange New Worlds. But that's not what this podcast is about. It's about Prodigy. So we've named this section after him, the Medal of Honor round. Uh, So we ask our guests and we elect ourselves at least one of your favorite things from this episode, but up to three. So Brent and Jude, we'll let you guys go first. What would, what or who would you like to give awards to for this week? Jude's got a big smile on his face. So, mm. oh, the lady that's doing the voice for the computer because she said that she would be listening to the show. Bonnie Gordon, yeah, Bonnie Gordon, and that's yep. cool. Yeah, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie Gordon and Murph. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, how can you can't go wrong when you say Murph? I mean, right. and um, the other guy who did the show. I'm so sorry, I forget your name. Aaron. No. Or CJ. CJ, maybe. Yeah. CJ is the animation director at Nickelodeon. Actually, I think is he works more for Nickelodeon than for the Prodigy team, but obviously they're mm. one and the same for the show. Yep. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great choices. Great choices. How about you, Brent? Uh, I'm going to give mine uh, collectively to the entire Janeway team. <laughs> like, a, like as one deal. So I'm going to, I'm going to make my three and one, but it's not going to go more than three, uh, but one to Janeway herself. And, and I already mentioned just, she was such a good coach and mm-hmm. she did. She didn't jump in and do it for them. In this case, nope. she says she can't because she's a hologram, but I question that because I've seen Star Trek before, but whatever. It's cool. <laughs> Uh, maybe they put limitations on it. I don't know, maybe. but uh, I, I very much appreciate her. But Kate Mulgrew as well for the voice of Janeway was such fine acting in this one. This was the first episode that I didn't think of Janeway as a computer program, but mm. I actually thought of her as Jane. Like I felt Kate has really finally tapped into the old Catherine Janeway that she you know, is famous for that, that she mm. did. Like she really came into that that Janeway again in this particular episode. Um, but then also I, I just I, I criticized them earlier, so I'm giving them the medal. My hat's off to the animation team for Janeway because I know people are just hard as snot to do. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's uh yeah, they, they get my medal of honor for today. Constructive criticism is not a bad thing. Uh, some of these guys actually thrive on it. So yeah, I couldn't do it better for the record. I could not do it better. They're they're <laughs> M, what do you have? I'm going to guess one of them has to do with animation. 
Who would have guessed that? I can't believe or, it. Why or would it you art? make that assumption? Or is it art? Aren't they the same? Don't assume. No. She's told, she has told me it is not. Yeah, and so I've listened to the show before. I, I knew I, I'm just needling you there, Em. It's okay. I just I, I got you. I'm with you. Um. So the first thing that I wanted to mention was not the animation or the art. It was the scores again because they're amazing yeah. and they make you feel something. They just mm-hmm. hit you right here, and it's just beautiful. And the animation does go along with that because. You know, I feel like a picture people say is worth a thousand words and music in my mind is also worth a thousand words. Put that together, 2000 words. And, you know, that like other people say, two heads are better than one. So you get animation and music. Yeah, you get animation, you get music. They make an amazing scene that makes you feel something with the music and they make you see that emotion conveyed through the animation. And I think that that is really cool how they work together on that. And also Dow's character growth through this, the way that he comes clean about the fact that they stole the ship and about the fact that they're not a real crew and that he actually, you know, looks like he feels bad about it. Just good job. He's kind of a good person now. He's getting there. So he is. He is. Nice. Yep. So I'm going to start mine with uh, the writer of this episode, uh, Nikhil S. Jayaram. Jayaram. Is that what you said, Em? Jayaram. Jayaram. I don't know. I don't either. Back. Um, but I went on and on a couple weeks ago about how great I thought Kobayashi was and not taking anything away from that. Cause it was a great episode. Uh, this may have taken its place as my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, and believe it or not, it has nothing to do with the time travel bended broken time line thing either uh i think it it goes a lot into what you were talking about brent in how you see each of the characters pull something out of themselves and it's through janeway that they're able to do that she can't she coached them into being able to find the best parts of themselves when it came to engineering skills which you know you always uh, chalk that up to uh, Jankum because he's the he's the engineer. Um, but we see all of them putting their smarts uh, out there for everyone to see in this episode. Uh, next, uh, I've had her on my list a few times already. Uh, Riley Alzaraki as Rock Talk. You know, we get the growth of the Rock Talk character here, but we we get a growth in Riley's voice as well in this episode. Um, You know, one of the two of you talked about her being uh, a scared character at one point, and you can hear that in her voice at the beginning of the episode. And then at the end, she's a confident, you know, larger than life character uh in more ways than one so um you know riley great job uh, as always but it really stood out in this episode and then uh brent as you said uh kate mulgrew as janeway um and in my notes i have written down something that you said whatever happens i'm proud of you um yeah. you, you know that there were there were two things that choked me up in this episode. There was that, and when she was with Dal at the um, at the protocore just before it exploded, and she put her hand out, oh, and they yeah. held and they held hands waiting for the explosion. You know those two things. 
she was taking on the Jane way that we all knew as I don't want to say mother figure because that's not right. Uh, Because, you know, just because she was the first female captain, you don't necessarily have to equate her to a mother, Mm -hmm. but as a nurturer who could be, that could be anybody. And man, did she nurture this crew in this episode? I thought it was awesome. Mike, I think that's a good word because I know I've heard Jerry Taylor, uh, one of the creators of Voyager, talking about creating the character of Janeway, saying she really fought for the idea like Janeway was not only going to be the first female captain, she was going to be a complete female. And that mm-hmm. nurturing, that mothering, I think she steered away from the mothering idea as well. Yeah. But that nurturing idea would have to be a part of who Janeway is as a character, which we saw throughout the whole run of Voyager. And we definitely saw in this episode as well. And I think that lends a lot to what I was saying earlier of how this is this is the first time I've really felt hologram Janeway was very much like the real Janeway that we've all come to to know and love, not yeah. just a computer simulation of her. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, it's time to engage the protostar drive. So what do we think is going to happen either next or further down the line in the series based off of what we've seen already? So early in the show, I got a request from Emily to go first because she doesn't like people stealing her thoughts. So, Em, you get to go first. You better make it good. All right. So this might be a little dark. I don't know which direction oh I'm going to take it um, entirely. Um, so basically, at the end, um, Gwen asked Janeway how much time Rock spent alone, and she just said too much. That doesn't sound uh, like a good good thing. Sound you know? Right. You know, it was hard enough with going through quarantine. As a kid, you know, I, it started out when I was like nine or 10 and now I'm almost 13. It was a, it it was very difficult for me, you know, not being able to communicate with my friends and family. And it was, it was hard for everybody in their own way, but at least I still got to see my parents and the people that I lived with. She didn't have anybody. She was Mm -hmm. all by herself. You know, the entire ship was empty and she would. I'm sure on a daily basis, she would just take walks throughout the ship and it would be just like a ghost town there. And that it's just so sad. sad. Yeah. Do you think, and, and sorry, go ahead. Do you think that uh, from, I think the third one where uh, Janeway is getting off all the vines from the ship with the little cleaning things that Murph was chasing, do you think maybe she was like interacting with those or oh. hmm, that's actually interesting. I did not think that. No. Um, cool but idea. My, my, <laughs> She's now friends with all of them. She's, they all yeah. have names <laughs> They you know, they all have personalities they've developed for her. She knows who they are. Like a little like punch from Voltron. Like the, like the, uh, like the dots from uh, discovery. Yeah. Yep. Dots. And, and you know, the, the, the thing that I realized, or I'm sure that everybody noticed, but um, it was also really sad when we saw that shot of her, you know, going to sleep and she would say goodbye or goodnight oh, to the yeah. empty bunks. It was so it was so sad. And I feel like she's going to, you know, getting into, you know, the bigger part of my theory, um, you know, spending that time alone especially for someone as young as her can't be easy and i feel like she's going to you know need interaction with the crew so i i feel like it's going to be a difficult you know process trying to get connected with them again at the same time because you know for them it hadn't been that long but for her it could have been years just all mm-hmm. by herself so it could it could be hard for her to you know, get, get that connection back with them because they might not understand the fact that she spent so much time alone that she, 
might have feel like she mm-hmm. lost that connection with them and so she'll try to get that back and they might not understand i kind and of i kind of feel like though um gwyn is gonna be that oh, yeah that definitely. friend that friend that she needs um yeah, she, yeah gwen mm-hmm. gwen is gonna be her rock oh uh but um bum dang I couldn't even finish. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even finish the line without laughing. <laughs> all right, Maybe. is that all? Is that all you got on that one, kid? It is, yes. Okay. All right, we'll let our guests go next on their predictions. Okay, I think that Rock might be because she learned all this math and science and matrix stuff um she might be like an engineer with jinkum and zero and maybe and maybe how you saw that zero had all of the tablets maybe she used those tablets to help her like learn stuff and get on track with the um matrix matrix thing and Uh You know what? You know what I love is uh, product. Even though we've had upgrades in technology uh, yep. in in real life, where we can have thousands of books on an iPad or even on a phone, mm-hmm. yep. Star, Star Trek has still stayed with multiple tablets for multiple things. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I was just saying the the, the data memory on one of those those uh, pads must be minuscule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also maybe when also when she was saying goodnight to everybody, maybe when you saw how Jenkum's hand can turn into like a hammer. Oh, I forgot it could do that. What? Yeah. We haven't seen that since like episode one. I forgot that right. I could do I just that. Did it in this episode? Okay, I didn't notice it. I just forgot. I didn't I either. I missed that. <laughs> Sorry. Right, what was your theory? And, Go ahead. And, and and so all of the like are the things that he looks, or all the things that looked like his arm, maybe it could transform into something like my multi tool. Like maybe she could have used those to help her build it easier. Cool. Oh, she used whatever thing that Jenkins mm-hmm. has on his arm. Gotcha. And also, yeah, is more of questions. Okay. If they all made the protostar the same, does that mean that they had all of the pieces out, like where we saw Dow getting his pieces? So, like, say if one of the pipes that he used or tubes is in the bathroom. For all the other ships, you would have to go to the bathroom to get that. Uh huh. So does that mean that it basically just like replicated the ship six or five times, or however many times it did for everybody? Well, she said that it's it's actually all the same ship. It's just different pieces were existing in different timelines. But what I think that means is where he went and got like the pipe out of the bathroom. That pipe's not in the bathroom anymore. So like somebody's gonna go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> the pipe's not gonna be there. <laughs> This takes us back. back. This takes us back to Murph Toots from a few episodes ago. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, what was that part that Murph had in his mouth that he just vomited before January? Right. Yeah, yeah. So how about you? After he threw a bomb. Right. Jude's still going on about bodily functions of Murph from a couple episodes ago. Bodily functions. Hey, we've 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 still been laughing about it here. Uh-huh. So, so how about you, Brent? What about what did you have for a uh, prediction? Well, I don't think that I have anything new out of this episode. Um, I really like where M's going with it. I don't. It, it's an interesting thing. If this was an adult show following up the aftermath of what happened with Rock, and because uh, honestly, you're getting into mental issues at that point, and what is she dealing with? This is a kids show, so there's a piece where I'm like, okay, it's resolved now that everybody's back, and they're going to just move on. Yeah, I feel like that might yeah. be where they go. But if it was a real show that they were really diving in, like that would be something that they they need to go through. Because I was even thinking about the episode of Voyager where Seven 
I think it's called one, right? Where seven was alone for like, it was only 30 days. Mm-hmm. And she, she about had a breakdown at the end of it. So, you know, I, I like, I like where, where Emily's uh, theory is going. And I'm really curious as to what that would be. I just don't know that the show is going to go that way with it because it's yeah. a kid show. Yeah, um, I didn't, but I kind of hope they do. I, I didn't take that into accountability, I guess. I only just realized that. But it's a good theory, Emily. Like, it's it's a good, like, like, this is where it needs, we need to find out what happens because that can't, that that wouldn't just be, that's just not how that resolves. There's going to be fallout from that moving forward. They need a counselor, Troy. it's It's a good theory, but let's not traumatize the kids, though. Exactly. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. The kids got their lessons. Um, But so anyway, but I don't have much new. I still have lingering things that I think the show is going to have to answer. Like, what is this order that the diviner is a part of? Like, we're going to have to find out about that. Um, You know, Dreadnought 2. First of all, Dreadnought 2, like he was different. Like he didn't have the spider legs. He just stood on. So is there something different was this a different version how did janeway recognize him he said this line real quick like she's like you deleted my files and you did this and he goes close but not quite what yeah. does that mean like we're, right. we're going to dive into the original crew how they lost the protostar how it came into to our diviners possession what his whole backstory is he wasn't willing to get he found a way to survive through the protostar but he wasn't willing to get rid of gwen yet because Dreadnought said, I'm not, I'm not like what Gwen said. She's like, you're going to get rid of me and then take the bro star. He's like, no, I can't get rid of you because he doesn't want to. You're his biggest mistake, but I can't get rid of you anyway. So I got to keep, so Diviner obviously still wants Gwen around for mm. whatever reason. Um, Gwen too. So it's probably going to be made soon. Maybe it's because it's because she's awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. I wouldn't I, want her around. Yeah, I, Gwen needs to be the the counselor because she could. Yeah, she there you go. It. And I, I got to tell you, I cannot. I know it's not the same actress. I know it's a completely different actress, but I cannot look at Gwen and think of Gwen without hearing Scarlett Johansson as a Black Widow. Like, because oh, wow. those two, those two are so similar to me. And I'm sorry for anybody who I just put that in your head for. Like, that's that's who she reminds me of. Is she's just so amazing uh, as a person. Now I'm going to be thinking about Marvel. that next time I watch oh. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, like I was yeah. planning on watching that movie soon. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing Gwen now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to have the opposite effect. She's going to see Gwen as Black Widow instead of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, like I'll be wa- I'll be watching it and all of a sudden it'll just be Gwen diving off of buildings. <laughs> you know what gwen could be part of the black widow program uh you know yes. another, another universe so it would make sense you know and like i said i want to know about that 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 arm malleable matter thing that she has and like mm-hmm. uh, like i this is more more all that but the oh oh this is the lingering question i have right now i've had long had a question of when is this set i've heard it you know about five years after nemesis right around the time of, of lower decks couple years in, in and around there so I, I'm cool with that, but that close to after after Nemesis. Okay, we get the protostar. We go back to the Delta Quadrant. It's obviously still really far ways away. How are all these Delta? How are all these Alpha Quadrant people in the Delta Quadrant? Mm. Because the Klingons have been there, and the the Ferengi are there, and they're they're being active. I know there was that one episode, but Who knows? whatever. Maybe maybe they're all in that quadrant, but the maybe. Starfleet. If maybe they've if maybe they've figured time. out quantum slipstream technology maybe. finally. I mean, Jenkum, Jenkum's a Tellerite, and he's over there. You know, uh, yeah. Dal apparently comes from the Alpha Quadrant, maybe the Beta Quadrant, uh, mm-hmm. because he was taken there by by uh, Nandi. Right? Nandi, yep. Okay, so, um, so like so my theory and is... Dal. I need to know more about Dal's head tail because this yes. has blown my mind. His head tail, like yeah, and that uh, does it express his emotions. Does it? Does it? Does it move with like? Is it like a horse's tail? Like it move? Like like if he's really curious, it stands up. You know, if he's happy, does it start to wag in the back of his head? Yeah, just all of a sudden you just see. Mm-hmm. If he gets scared, does it tuck like tuck underneath his? Yeah. Like what's it do? His ears go down too. 
but right. that busted my theory of maybe Dallas clone. That's why nobody knows what species he is. Maybe he is still cloned. It could or be right. Maybe, maybe, it could be maybe right. that yeah. Ferengi is like super tech, like sloth is. Yeah. Like st- stupid about the reality. Change socks. If you're not wearing green, yeah, yeah, like there's a thing where he goes, wear green socks. And if you're not wearing green socks, it's likely that the ship is going to blow up. Who are you talking about? Sloth from Voltron. Uh, oh, I was Trump thinking shows on us in the middle of that conversation. I, just, I wasn't sure I where it was going. I just finished the series for the fourth time. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was, I was stuck in the eighties. I was thinking sloth from the Goonies. That's what <laughs> I thought too. I was like, hey, you guys. <laughs> so. Well, I am very close to what Jude was saying. So, with all the things that Rock learned, I think she's going to be a science officer. Yeah. There you go. Um, now. My prediction is way down on the scale compared to uh, Emily's, um, you know, fourth level thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, what What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> I, I can I, can I talk about that just for a second? Because it, it'll lead into that. The um, where she says early, like, I don't want to be the security officer. Please stop making me the right. security officer. I don't want to be that. I'm also a rather large person. And. I understand that idea that when you're when you're of a certain body type, you tend to get forced into roles that you don't love mm-hmm. or that isn't you. And I love the fact that Rock was able to stand up for herself and go, I don't want to be that. Stop putting me there. Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. Ooh, ooh, maybe, also, I'm nine. Maybe stop maybe, Jankum, like, <laughs> maybe Jankum could uh, be the security officer because he has the changing arm. Maybe he can change it into like a Get him out of engineering and into security. There you go. Yeah. Into Thor. Into Thor's hammer. There you go. <laughs> it it you did go. turn into a hammer, though. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that the diviner and Dreadnought one can like hack into a computer and a whole different quadrant, mm-hmm. and then make another Dreadnought that can do stuff that that, yeah. that that has the same mind as regular dreadnought yeah yeah like that's just crazy and that's mind-blowing so is is dreadnought still with our diviner back on his ship or did like his whole file like get transferred but, over but, and he's not actually back over but, there but it couldn't have he 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 was on two legs not the four spider legs or credits did call him dreadnought too so it yeah did. and yes. If you noticed at the end of the episode, the skull, one of the eyes lit up. Yeah. So we're going to have to see what that's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I mean. We, at the, the next couple of episodes, I think have to dive into our diviner and his whole story and what's causing him to chase after the protostar, at least eventually Absolutely. We to get there. Yeah. 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 Even if it's not the next couple of episodes, maybe in the next half of the season or something. Technically speaking, unless we're considering um, Dreadnought to be um, like a life form and considering him to, um, what was I going to say next? You mean something that's sentient? Yeah, but still, you know, unless we're considering his outer shell an exoskeleton, it wasn't his skull. It was his head. Excuse me. Get it right. Excuse me. All right. Well, we really appreciate the two of you coming on. Um, it, it's been a blast. Where can the Murph Turf podcast be found for those who would like to listen? Judino. Murph's Turf podcast, prodigy podcast at gmail.com. You can email us at Murph's Turf Pod uh, Podcast. I think it's Murph's Turf Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, no, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it's Murph's Turf, a Star Trek Prodigy podcast. I do think there's another Murph's Turf podcast out there, but it's like really old and kids don't listen to that one. Uh, but but find <laughs> us. You'll, you'll, our logo is Murph. You'll see it. You can't miss it. And then cool. we're out on Twitter. You can tweet at us uh, at Murph's Turf Pod. 
Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks or subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there's Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And what is coming up on the next episode of Prodigy, M? The crew forego their dreams of a Starfleet to return to Tars Lamora in a no-win scenario on Episode 9, A Moral Star, Part 1. So Episode 8 stretched time and allowed Rock Talk to grow up before our eyes. How will she use her knowledge, and how is the first half of the season going to wrap up? Keep tuning in to Discovering Trek Prodigy as we have it all covered. Until then, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.